Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. Aren't you grateful for this group of amazing people that leads us in worship every single week, man? Just takes us into the throne room of God. Oh, wow. Uh, My name is Matt, and I didn't say that earlier. If today's your first time worshiping with us, we're super glad that you're here because you're kind of coming in at the tail end of a series that we didn't plan to go this long. It's a series that was supposed to be like four weeks, but kind of what's happened over the last couple years, we kind of lean into a topic and we just feel God like, like kind of dragging us through it and keeping us there. And we determined a long time ago, this is God's church. And if he wants to do something that we didn't plan, it's his to do that with. Come on, somebody. Like that's, that's what he wants to do. Uh, It makes me uncomfortable at times, but God's never been really concerned about my comfort, I've learned. Anybody else learn that reality? Uh, So this whole series is called Across the Threshold. And the premise of it was deeply believing that God desires that when you cross the threshold of your front door and step into whatever it is that you call home, that it is a haven, that it is a place where you can find peace and encouragement and truth and love. Like you need a sanctuary because the world out there is crazy. I thought everybody would say amen. Maybe you're, y'all need to tell us. If you didn't say amen, like help us understand where you're at. But when things at home are as they should be, it makes the chaos at work at school, wherever you are, much more bearable, right? When you know that, man, when I clock out or when I get off the bus, I'm stepping into a place that's full of love and calm and peace. Not that it is completely absent of any conflict ever, but it is a place where there are people that love you, fight for you, teach you about Jesus, and your hearts are aligned towards him. And this whole concept has brought us to this idea of family. But what I want you to know is... Look at me, family is not confined to the four walls of what you call home. Family is also not limited by biology. Family is intended to be so much more than that, that yes, you have the family that you were born into, and you have a family that you get when you become born again. There is two families that you get to be a part of. That one that you're, the one that you're born into, the one that you didn't choose, that just kind of like you just were born into it. And then that family you get when you're born again. And you get to be a part of the family of God. You get to be a part of the body of Christ. And that's a family that is as deeply important to your life as the one you started out with. Last week we were reminded that in him we have a father. That I don't care what kind of father, you earthly father that you had, that you have a heavenly father that is perfect, that loves you deeply, and that all throughout scriptures has revealed to us that he wants to live in relationship with us as father, son, father, daughter. We are his children, and Jesus has paid the price and paved the way for us to live in that kind of intimacy with God. But I remind you, if, if you have a father in him, that means you have a family in us. You have a family in us. And I know this, this message is already, it's going to be tense at times. I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? Is it, because I know that this whole concept is going to be hard for a lot of us. 
But God has designed you, intended for you to, to not confine what you consider family just to the four walls of what you call home. That you are a part of a, not a global, eternal, spiritual family with whom you will spend all of eternity together glorifying God in heaven. And it's going to be louder there than it is in here. But some of us, like, we have a hard time resonating with that. Church as family. Because for most of us, church is a facility. It's got brick and stained glass and a steeple that reads all the way up to the tippy toes of Jesus. And we sit in ugly green pews. Why did we ever choose that color? Were we just trying to make people sad? I don't understand. Then we went to red, and everything was red. It's like, like the blood of Jesus. Sit here. It's... <laughs> but family, God never wanted us to think of church as a facility. He wanted us to see it as a family. Church was never supposed to be a place that you go to. It was supposed to be a people that you are a part of. That is God's design and desire for church. And Jesus, I think you can look all throughout his ministry and see that with the language that he used and the way that he spoke, like this was his intended. That we weren't supposed to be some random group of strangers that sat in a room for an hour once a week and then left and went about our lives as if we aren't connected to one another. Y'all with me say amen. In John chapter 17, y'all remember this? We studied the whole book of John for a while last year. Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, about to go to the cross. And I don't know about you, but if I know I'm about to die, I'm, I'm gonna weigh my words, come on. I'm gonna use words that are important. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna waste words when I know I'm about to die. And so to me, what's written in these last few chapters of John is something that we, all of it, obviously, but we need to press into this. Jesus talking to his first followers in John chapter 17, verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. In other words, I'm not praying just for the people who are with me now. I'm not praying for this group of guys who are, are physically in the room with me in this time. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That Jesus says, Lord, let them function like a family, a bonded together body, one, connected, deeply woven together as a unit. Why? So that when they step out into the world and everybody sees that they can be a part of a family that's bigger than them, a family not confined to the four walls of their home, but a family that is so much bigger that people will be drawn to it. Like God always intended for his church to function like a family and never to just be seen as some facility with a name on the door and nothing more. And this would have been really important for those who were the first to follow Jesus. Man, understand the context of family in Jesus' culture. It, it was even deeper than, than, than some of our good old Southern culture, right? 
I mean, these people were deeply connected. They, they usually wouldn't, wouldn't drift further from each other than just a, a few hundred yards. These families, would they, would they would be born, and they would multiply, and they would have children, and they would stay in the same area and work the same plot of land and follow in the same footsteps, walk in the same professions. Like, you, did, you, didn't, you didn't break ranks. You didn't grow up with somebody saying, you can be anything you want to be. No, we're fishermen. We're carpenters. We're shepherds. This is what we do. It's what you, my daddy did, your daddy did, and boy, it's what you're going to do. Like, that was the culture. And they were dependent on each other. And they, they, would, they would grow the same crops and eat the same food. And now Jesus comes along. And when people in Jesus' day started to follow Jesus, their families didn't take that well. When, Peter fam, when Peter's family found out, hey, Dad, I'm, I'm leaving the fishing business, why, to go follow this dude who says he's the savior of the world? You think Peter's dad was like, good job, guy, okay. You think he had questions? You didn't think there was moments when these young Jewish kids who grew up in this religion said, hey, this carpenter named Jesus, this guy who grew up in Nazareth, he's more than just that. He is the Messiah we've been waiting for. And there would have been families that would have been so upset with this choice, they would have been disowned disconnected. And so the group of people that they were once dependent on, they no longer could be. And Jesus said this would happen in verses that we don't often lean into or even understand. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. He says, don't suppose that I came to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come, listen, I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Do you see what Jesus is saying? That there's gonna come a time, these people, they would go home and start saying, we're gonna follow Jesus now. And they would say, well, if you follow Jesus, all your inheritance is gone. I'm not giving you a dime. Don't come, if, you, if you go follow him, don't come back here. And Jesus knows, like, you're gonna be tempted. When, when you realize what you're gonna lose in order to be a part of this family instead of that one, your temptation is gonna to be to choose that one, but you've got to choose me first. And Jesus wouldn't do that without helping them understand, like, okay, but the family that you might have to leave, the family that you're gonna get as being bonded but to the body, is supposed to be, will be, needs to function in a way that meets your needs just as good, if not better. God intended for this thing to function as a family. And the reason why so many of us have a hard time with this is because that's not our experience. Church is a facility or a family that we don't want anything to do with. But we can't ignore the fact that all throughout the New Testament, God paints this picture of his church being more than most of us allow it to be. Y'all getting quiet on me, you with me? 
Like we, we settle for it, and, and we're guilty of it too in our good old Southern Christian culture. But all throughout the New Testament, Paul, when he, when he writes, Peter, when he writes, James, when he writes, the words of Jesus as we just read point to this picture of the church, the body of Christ, as the family of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That we look around. You may not know everybody around you. You're sitting here saying, Matt, you're calling us family, and I see a bunch of strangers. Well, can I remind you that even though you may not know the names of everybody around you, that if you are all followers of Jesus and you've chosen him and accepted his sacrifice, you're bonded together by the blood of Christ, and that is not insignificant. That the family of God is supposed to be as important to you as the biological one you were given. But y'all ain't my blood. We've all heard that statement, right? Blood's thicker than water. Believing that what that's supposed to mean is because if we share the same biology, our loyalty to each other should be greater than others. But do you know that is one of the misquoted most misrepresented statements in all of history, that the original quote is not, blood is thicker than water. The original quote is this, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. I just blew somebody's mind here. That's the original, that's the original quote, that blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That the loyalty that we have, and look at me, everybody look at me. I'm not saying that our families aren't important, that they aren't priority in so many ways, that we don't need them. But God has designed the family of God to play a significant role in your life. And although you might not have shared the same womb, you are bonded by the same blood, the blood of the new covenant shed by Jesus for your salvation and mine. And that makes us brothers and sisters. <laughs> makes us brothers and sisters. That there's the one that you, that you didn't get to choose and the one that you get to choose as being a part of the family of God. And matter of fact, that's the language that Paul uses every time he speaks to or speaks of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you. He doesn't even say friends. Co-workers in Christ in this moment. No, he says, I appeal to you. What does he say? Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He says, brothers and sisters, that we didn't share the same womb. We didn't grow up in the same house. We didn't even grow up like cousins. We didn't spend Christmases together and do Easter but we have all put our faith and hope and trust in the one who has the power to unite better than anything. 
I'm not saying that you need to dismiss your family. I'm not even in any way asking you to put this family over that one. What I'm trying to help us all understand is we cannot underestimate or devalue the bond that God has designed for us to have to his body. We cannot underestimate or devalue the bond that God has intended for you and I to have to his body. Galatians chapter six, verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. I love the beauty of that verse. That let's do good to all people especially the family of believers. Because I never have understood the church is not the church when it's constantly reaching out to the community but reaching over needs in its own house. We have to do both. It is not an either or. It is not meet the needs out there and ignore the needs in here. They are both our responsibility as one family. Come on, somebody. Like that's what we're supposed to do. I never have understood how we could send checks to countries thousands away when there were People in our own congregations suffering, hurting, not being able to put food on the table or pay their own rent. Shame on us. Come on, shame on us. It's both. It is not either or. It's both that we have the responsibility to care for them and us. Like, it's both. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Like God has never wanted us to see church as a facility. He wanted us to perceive it as a family. And it's not a specific place, but among God's people that he has chosen to dwell. I think God shows up in our midst all the time, not because there's anything special about this place, but he promised to meet with us, and he even calls us his temple. That's why people freak out. I don't call this a sanctuary. Because you know what? You know what the sanctuary really is? Your heart. He is not confined to the temple anymore. He is not set in a building. He is not placed in a building built by human hands. No, when a human heart is dealt with and sin is removed, that is the dwelling place of God. And when we come together as his people, he meets with us and does powerful things. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred. And look at this. And you together, you together are that temple. Y'all remember that? Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the doors and see. Y'all remember that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I thought about that. I didn't think about that. It's the people, man. It's the people. God from the onset has intended for his church to function like a family. But you need to know, just like all families, this one's messy too. This one's messy too. 
This one's got the crazy uncle. And if you don't know who it is, it's you. <laughs> this one's got problems. This one will let you down. Look at me. Wherever, anything that involves people always has potential to bring pain. Anything that involves people always has the potential to bring pain, but it also has the potential to be something really powerful. I know one of the reasons why we prefer maybe the home family versus this house family is because we've, we've seen its ugly side. Let me tell you something. Nobody, nobody in this room knows the ugly side of church the way I do, trust me. First of all, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad pastored churches for over 40 years. I've seen there is not a meaner group of people on the planet from time to time than church folk. I've seen the ugliness. I've seen the arrows. I've seen the tears fall out of my dad's eyes of somebody who's trying his best to serve and to sacrifice only to be yelled at and fussed at and be treated in a bad way, not because he didn't do what God wanted him to, but because he didn't do what they wanted him to. I've been through seasons in my life where I hated the church. But I've also seen its beauty. I've also seen its beauty. I've sat in rooms as people take their last breath and listen to worship and prayer and felt the presence of the Holy Spirit where those two or three were gathered. I've seen relationships that have been built that were needed and necessary, and if they had not been present, some of the hardest seasons would have crushed people if they didn't have brothers and sisters in Christ alongside them helping carry the weight. Yeah, it's messy. And there's a chance that if you decide to take the risk, open yourself up and step in and allow it to be family, that somebody's gonna let you down. It might even be me. But I wish I could somehow convince you to say, that's a risk worth taking. Because in the end, as messy as it is, it's still the place where God has determined that his message would be taken to the world. The church is still that vehicle and we have to be willing to embrace the mess and fight through it so that together we can keep taking the message of Jesus into a world that, look, needs it desperately. That, and, and, and whether we like it or not, if we claim him, we are bonded together. The language that scripture uses is even, even more powerful than the word family. He says we're a body, a body connected to one another, bound and yeah, we have different roles and functions and places, but, but we're a body. Look how Paul unpacked it to the, to the Corinthian church. I'm going to read a lot of verses, so y'all hang with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, look at this, slave-free no matter where you come from, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would no longer, for that reason, be considered to not be a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Like there's this language all throughout Scripture that we are all connected. And even though you come from different homes, different backgrounds, different families, different traditions, different everything, that when Jesus is Lord of your life, he wants to connect you to this beautiful thing called the church, the body of Christ, and you matter. You have a part to play that is uniquely designed by God for you to play in his body. And there's none that is insignificant. Whether you can sit over on that keyboard and belt it like Laura, or whether you can hold a door and give somebody a smile or change some kid's nasty diaper. It all matters. Whether you think you have some kind of gift that that is insignificant or whether you think you're the be-all, end-all. All across the spectrum, God says, you are a part of something and you are designed to be a part of something that's bigger than you and even bigger than the home from which you come. It is the body of Christ and he wants to use you for his glory to point people to Jesus. And together, collectively, as the family of God, that's our role. That's our mission. I know what you say. Matt, it don't feel like family. I'm about to say some things in the next few minutes that might not be the most easy to hear. If you say, Matt, it don't feel like family, maybe that's on us. Or maybe that's on you. Listen, if all you ever do is sit, we will always feel like strangers. If all you ever do is sit, we will always feel like strangers. If all you ever do is sit in this room, or if all you ever do is sit on the other side of a screen, God intended for church to be more than just a place where you sit. And if all you ever do is sit, we will always feel like strangers. So can I challenge you to do a couple things? Number one, you've been hearing me say this for the last few weeks, find a seat somewhere outside of Sunday. You gotta find a seat outside of the rows in this room. You gotta find a seat in a circle where you can see and be seen, where you can know and be known, where you can have conversations and open up and experience dialogue, where you can start to actually form relationships with the people around you that look at me are not that different than you. Find a seat outside of Sunday somewhere. Because if your, look at me, if your church experience is only limited to the gathering, we will never feel like family. It's easy to slip into this room, sit in that seat, we love you, Jesus, amen, preacher, get in that car, and then go home. If that's your church experience, it will never feel like family. And let me tell you something, you're going to have to endure some stuff and take a risk. It still amazes me how many of us that are part of Venice Church, there's a group of us that have been in this thing together for, from the beginning. Casey Harris walked up to me and hugged me, about crushed me, 
and he hugged me in, in the back corner, and he hugs like nobody else, and I love him dearly. Some of the first ones there. And you don't think that over the years, there haven't been moments when we have not seen eye to eye on stuff, those of us? Listen, I am moody and emotional. Just ask my wife. I am difficult to deal with. But in the family of God, we realize that we have grace and we endure because God is working in us and we believe the best and we keep honoring God with everything that we do, knowing that, hey, as much as we don't like each other right now, we are still on the same team and we still have something to do and we're not going to let our stuff get in the way of what God wants to do. And sitting around you are some of the most amazing people on the planet. You just don't know them yet. And you never will. If this is all you do is sit in this room, find a seat somewhere outside of Sunday, a community group, a class. Just hold up a sign in the lobby that says, I'm looking for four guys to go to lunch next week. I don't know. <laughs> Second thing I want to say is this, though. Don't settle for sitting when God has designed you to sow. Don't settle for just sitting when God has designed you to sow. And I just happen to believe there's nothing more important that you could sow into than God's church. And over the last year and a half with COVID and everything that's happened, it is really easy to fall into the trap of just consumer. It's, it's, it's easier than it's ever been. And look, I know there are still some people right now because of COVID and that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about stuff, decisions that you're having to make to protect your health and do some things you have to do in this season, but just be careful because for you long, the enemy wants to get you to fall in that trap and it'll be three years or four years or five years and all you're ever doing is watching online or just sitting and keeping a distance and God's saying you're missing out on so much more. And I don't want to say go from consumer to contributor because when I hear that word, I just think like you can contribute to like a political campaign or something. I don't, God wants investors because the difference between an investor and a contributor is a contributor just gives. An investor gives and they get. And that's what it means to be a part of the church. Yeah, you got to give. You got to invest. You got to sow. You got to give in time and money and equity. But you also get it is a give and a get. It is a both and. And when we're a part of the family and it functions the way God intended it, that's how he changed the world. You get a church that doesn't settle for sitting in a facility and decides they're going to function like a family, you get a church that will change this community. So God, I pray that you would help us to know what to do with everything that we've just heard that nobody will come out of this with some type of emotional reaction or feel guilty and, God, nobody, I don't want anybody to do anything out of guilt. God, I want us to see the value of being a part of, being a part of your church, being a part of the family of God. And God, I pray that you would stir every heart to respond however you feel they need to, Lord. I pray that they would hear your voice, they would follow your leading with courage and conviction. And God, we look forward to what you're gonna do in and through your body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If God's calling you to do something right now, make a step. Maybe you need to jump on the app, hit that respond, that connect feature. Stop in the lobby. Talk to somebody at our guest table. Man, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Give God some glory as you head out today. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. 
We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.